0: Good morning, everyone. It's Judith hope You're listening to Mad Love. What's going on? I've started uh, percolating my coffee. Woof. Fantastic. Good choice. It just tastes so delicious. It tastes artisanal almost, you know, like it's really crafted. But I really just put good coffee in a percolator and let it, you know, do its thing, percolate for what, 20, 25 minutes. And it is delicious. I am now into bulletproof coffee. Uh, I usually drink organic, uh, some variation of organic coffee, but this uh, is super expensive. But when you read the bag, it says it removes mold because coffee has a ton of mold. And I have a allergy problem, so I don't need to be drinking mold. But it just tastes good. And maybe uh, maybe the mold... Is what's been holding coffee back from tasting perfect? I don't know, but it sure is delicious. And my other obsession uh, is cold brew. Um, In in full disclosure, I'm invested in a cold brew company, uh, but I haven't purchased theirs yet. I'm going to buy some and champion it, of course, because I want it to be successful, because I want my investment to skyrocket. But just a regular cold brew is something that's very new for me to fall in love with. It was weird. I've always liked coffee, coffee to drink hot, coffee ice cream, but cold coffee, bleh. But it's tasting pretty yummy these days, especially as it's super hot. So anyway, uh, (laughs) I know you're enthralled by all of that, but this coffee is good. I mean... (laughs) I'm just saying, get yourself a percolator. It, it's old school. And I don't have an electrical one. I have one you got put on a stove. It's very much retro, but it's good. It, and, and if you're patient, you'll have a delicious product afterwards. That's my point. Uh, just wanted to share this thought on uh, this Thursday. You know, life is crazy. I, I mean, literally, it's so nutty here in St. Louis, so much crime uh, so many talking heads, so many people thinking they know what the problems are, so many people who are the problem but think they're the solution. I mean, it's just a lot going on here. I don't know how I can continue to live here. I really don't. <laughs> it's just really challenging. If my family wasn't here, I, I would have long packed up. Um, But anyway, I, you know, it's just, it's frustrating. And, and it makes me think, you know, we have a really be bad crime problem here and it used to be well if you live in the city you're gonna deal with all this crime it won't come out to the county well it's out in the county now it's starting to spread and it's just it's violent crime it's dangerous it's scary it feels like to me actually St. Louis feels a lot like Washington DC felt in the late 80s and early 90s I mean it was pretty terrifying uh I'm not sure why my parents left me in school in such a dangerous city. Uh but there was no internet and you didn't really know as much um about another area without having been in it. And they didn't see it before we got there. I had visited, but you know, I didn't think about it, you know. But living there you get immersed in how much crime there was and you know, the drug trade was just humongous, and it was murders and shootings and death and poverty everywhere, all around my campus. And, uh, you know, when I went back to Howard a few years ago, and it was so clean and safe, I, was, I just could not believe my eyes. I could not believe my eyes, um, because in the 80s, it was uh, the wild, wild west, for real. And St. Louis has a lot of that same energy. Uh, young people are running around with guns, resolving their issues with guns. Nobody has fist fights anymore. Nobody takes a an L anymore. Nobody gets disrespected. Everybody just starts shooting at each other and uh, with remarkable and fatal accuracy a lot of times. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's really scary. And I don't know what the solutions are, but we got to stop talking and start doing things. Um, And, you know, I think people pay a lot of lip service and want to feel sorry for people, but they don't do anything. I don't need your pity. We don't, none of us need your pity. We need your service and your help, not your pity. And I think that's a big problem. You ever notice how the war on something never ends? The war on terror just creates more terrorists. The war on drugs has just lasted 40 years and created more drug users, um, and sellers, uh, the market is as big as it's ever been. You know, if people want to do drugs, they're going to do drugs. If you really wanted to defeat drugs, you should have legalized them. And then that way people don't have to live these unsafe, unstable lives to get drugs and use them. You know, I get and then and you then get rid of the illegal drug trade that's killing tons of people because, you know, drug dealers robbing other drug dealers. You on my turf. How are you going to try to uh, take my corner? This my corner, you know, you get rid of all of that because people go to clinics and it's government regulated and taxed. I mean, if you really wanted to end it, that's what would have happened in 1980 or 82, whenever the war on drugs started, it was, it's been a long time. And, uh, you know, again, what did we learn from the AIDS crisis? Clearly nothing. Because the sexual stigma is not there with COVID, but the complete disregard of how dangerous it is, how easily spread it is. I mean, that's the same thing. Is And I was a kid when that was going on. I mean, I really did not have a full grasp of it but the whole message was if you're not a gay male don't worry about it not only will you not get it it won't kill you or that was really the theme like it was just something you parked in the back of your brain meanwhile thousands upon thousands of people are dying and I remember being very puzzled as a kid, like, well, if it can get in your blood and this lady just died of a transfusion, I don't know. It seems like we could all get it because we all have blood. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, kid, shut up. <laughs> we can't we won't go to work if we think about it that way. So I don't know. It's just been a very, very odd uh way to approach and tackle problems in this country. And I think, and this isn't based in any kind of racism, I'm not racist, but I think that white male privileged viewpoint that has found itself in leadership roles uh, leads the charge. And the women who are married to them follow suit. And then you get this prevailing philosophy that nothing's that dangerous until it happens to them. You know, it's weird. And I'm not sure who sets the tone, but it comes off that way. And right now you definitely have that in the White House. And he surrounded himself with a bunch of other people who don't know what they're doing. So that's strange. They're all completely out of touch with regular folks. Yet regular folks really feel attached to him. I don't understand that. Uh, All Donald Trump's friends are felons. And, and he's really linked in with that uh, Jeffrey Epstein and that child sex stuff. I mean, the fact that nobody really is alarmed about that on the right in, in large numbers is scary. It's almost like they're in a cult. You know, it's just it's a very bizarre time to be an American. You know, and I was reading. So when you read. Different newspapers. I'm a fan of the Washington Post because obviously I was in at Howard for four years, and I read the Post all the time. It's still one of my favorites. But when you read the Post, they they pretty much feel like I read more than one article that basically felt like, yeah, I know you're alarmed by Trump, but he he still could win. You know, he still has a a strong base. Which is insane. How could that even be true? I don't get it. I really don't. And uh, I mean, maybe America is a lost cause. Maybe it's the experiment that failed. I don't know. I mean, it was a. it was all about a philosophy that you could have a democracy and everybody could have a voice. But then when they started it, they didn't give everybody a voice. Women couldn't vote. Uh, slaves couldn't vote. He had to be a white man of color. I mean, <laughs> nice. A white man of wealth and landowner to be able to vote. So the whole concept was started with, you know, a limited concept of freedom. It was the freedoms for these particular people, <laughs> this very small, narrow margin of men who came over here to try to forge a better life and they didn't want to pay taxes, you know. And so England sent a lot of their criminals. So it's a very interesting place. And then you enslave a people for hundreds of years. Then you free them. But the economy of the country has been built off of this free labor and torture. And yet you're good with it. I mean, imagine if everybody had gotten their 40 acres and a mule. You know, imagine if if every slave received their 40 acres because that's how you get wealthy in America. You have to own land, you have to own property, you have to own things. Uh, if you don't thankfully they decided you can't own people anymore. but if you don't own anything, you don't have anything in America. And true, the poorest American is still doing better than most of the world's poor population, no doubt. but that doesn't mean you can't do better here. like it should be better for us here. All of us. It shouldn't be such a huge uh, chasm between the has and have nots. And then they keep tripping you up because they throw race in there. And everybody falls for it. You play the race card because it works. So then you have to quit focusing on, hey, (laughs) four people have all the money in America. (laughs) And then you focus on, hey, you know, black people are taking all the jobs And then, you know, black people get mad about whatever we get mad about. I mean, seriously, if we stop focusing on so much race and stop trying to look at it from a big like they're going to apologize for the history of America type scenario and really focus on how we can get everybody access to at least a quality education. We haven't figured that out. Can you imagine what the world would have looked like if instead of. Uh, your public school being funded by the quality of your neighborhood and the taxes from your ne- particular neighborhood and did it more like the uh major league baseball system does where you know a small market team gets as much money as a big market team because there's a pool of cash that comes in and they distribute it evenly amongst teams because yeah of course, Yankees are going to still be the biggest because they get the biggest television contract. But they still have to share for all the Yankee stuff they sell, all the memorabilia and all the licensed stuff. They still have to put that in a pot and share it with the Milwaukee Brewers, who will never sell at the level of the Yankees or the Cardinals, for that matter. Go cards. Um, so, you know, if the system had been evenly distributed and done with fairness in mind we wouldn't have half the problems that we have because right now if you live in a rough neighborhood and you go to public school your school is terrible because nobody wants to live in your neighborhood so nobody's paying taxes and you're taping your books together and you kind of have teachers who don't really want to be there and it's dangerous so you know and your school's ugly and unclean and not safe looking. Or worse yet, they fix your school up because they get grants and, and that kind of thing. But people are still getting beat up and shot in the hallways. And nobody's really learning anything. It's not an institution of higher learning. There's no money for band. There's no money for football uniform. You know what I mean? <sighs> imagine. Imagine if we had gotten it right in the first place. What it would What it would feel like. And then capture that feeling and know that that's what you're fighting for when you're out here fighting for something. And the best thing to do, I found, is to not focus on the problem, but focus on the solution. Which is why this podcast doesn't go on about race all day. Which is why I'm probably not on the Anchor's Listen to Black People podcast. And Plus, I refuse to just put my picture on there to make people listen because I'm black. Which is obviously a thing right now. Uh, I am black. I'm proud to be black always have been it's pretty cool and I love being the age that I am because I've seen quite a bit but I'll tell you this when you focus on problems you'll never get a solution the war on everything has lasted forever so it's time to stop warring against things and actually find solutions and we're capable of doing that I believe that we can do that and I want to do that don't you? This is lame. Where we are now is pretty lame. And we still are having issues with race. There's still income disparity. And now we have a virus attacking us. I mean, 2020 is all about uh, get real, get a clue and be better. And I can do that. And I know you can too. That's why you listen to this podcast. So like, let's just focus on being better and not just focus on it actually just do it.